Another tumultuous week in the news, which means we really need to get to the top stories with our powerhouse roundtable. We've got a good one. Introductions come first. David Smiley is the political reporter for the Miami Herald. Jacqueline Charles is a reporter also with the Miami Herald. She covers the Caribbean. Sergio Bustos is deputy opinion page editor at the Sun Sentinel and has covered politics for Politico, the Associated Press, and the Miami Herald. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. We have like a, it's a it's fr a friendly roundtable. Yeah, we we do all journalists. Uh, if we can, Sergio, you are the opinion writer among us here. You heard Congresswoman uh, Shalala say we got to get those kids out of that center down that detention facility down in Homestead. I mean, that's a worthy goal. How do you think it's going to happen? Well, it's got to happen. I mean, it's a, it's really cruel and inhumane that these kids. And again, they are children. These are yeah. not uh, criminals. Uh, they're children locked up in a prison-like military-like fortress, living in tents and camps. And as a congresswoman said, uh, it, it's it's just a, it's not America. I think um, how to get them out. Uh, there's hundreds of places we can move them. But the best thing is to try to get them through the immigration process mm -hmm. as soon as possible. That, right. That's Get what the congresswoman with parents. was right. saying. And you know what, what really no one, well, we didn't address it with the congresswoman, but, but there is such an argument to be made, Jackie, about going into the countries where they're coming from and starting with the cause and not the symptom and trying to fix what's there that's making the surge at the border so so extreme at the moment. Well, there's been a lot of discussion about that, but we really haven't seen or at least get an idea of what's taking place. I mean, usually in these countries, you will see U.S. aid will go in and they will put in some development programs. Um, I know, for instance, in Haiti right now, they are struggling with this whole issue of migration because we're starting to see an uptick in migration. They're not making it to Florida, but they are making it to the Bahamas, to the Turks and Caicos. But you do have to address the root causes of why are people leaving. That's how you deal with the problem on this end. Otherwise, they're going to continue to leave. And right now the Trump administration is using funding as a stick and not a carrot yeah. in the Northern Triangle, which is where the vast majority of uh, the people coming through Central Florida and Mexico are, are coming from. Right. Yeah, and, and also uh, now asking for, what, like $3 billion from Congress for Homestead and the other shelters and the temporary shelters. So the money is, is sort of not where it's going to be not, the most not at the cause, right, at not the at the cause. root of, of yeah. the issue. So, yeah. I mean, look, there are corrupt governments in those countries. You put our money goes down there. Who knows where it winds up? You don't know how effective it is. Then you have new kind of causes. We have seen, Sergio, uh, climate change has caused the coffee crop in, say, Guatemala, which was a big source of income, to fall off dramatically. So there are all kinds of things pushing the reasons why, you know, last month, what, 144,000 uh, illegal immigrants were stopped at the border, people who were seeking to get into the U.S. Yeah, one of our colleagues uh, um, <clears throat> had mentioned this about the potato famine in, in Ireland. Right, that was my, my ancestors. <laughs> right, it's, it's, it's a story that repeats itself. And it's unfortunate, but it's something we should at least take some responsibility for and try to help some folks out. Now, again, all we're asking is that we process these folks in an orderly fashion and expeditiously yeah. so that they aren't you know, you know so we, we are in these countries. I mean, we are running programs yeah. through our own development agency. The question is, what are we doing with 
the money? Are we funding the right kinds of programs? Mm -hmm. And maybe that's where we need to look and look in USAID and say, in Guatemala, you know, in Honduras, the programs that we have, are they addressing the problems that we are seeing today or do we need to re-engineer? Has anyone been inside taking the shelter tour? Have you been in? No. One of the one of the biggest issues for people who are responsible for reporting on what government does is that there is such I'm not gonna say no transparency because they do take tours in and but but there's no freedom of transparency and, and I think that's that gives rise to rumor and speculation. Well, excuse me, you yeah. were there. I was but there, you Congresswoman talk, was there. Yes, but you could not talk to any of the kids. I did talk to kids. I didn't have the in-depth conversations that some of, say, the Flores lawyers were able to have in-depth conversations. A visitor can go off and talk to whomever. Hello, how are you? Where are you from? How do you feel? I'm not sure you get the proper kind of insight from those kind of conversations. But certainly what you see there, uh, I would not have characterized it as a prison. Certainly it's overcrowded. It's, t it's a terrible place for a kid to be. But they're certainly not mistreated or abused. But then you look at the Flores outline uh, from the court case and the court filings recently where they do use the word abused yeah. and depressed. And, and so it's so difficult to really find fact. Well, having covered immigration and visited these detention centers in the past, whether it's kids or whether adults, it's not a good situation. No. I mean, people don't know what's coming. Um, they're in this perpetual hold, and I think that's what we have to deal with the backlog in the immigration system. You have to process people and let them know what their fate is going to be. Are they going to stay or are they going to be deported yeah, back? Yeah. Well, let's change the focus, if we can, now to some strictly political issues, like running for president. Um, David Smiley, you wrote some very good pieces this week um, about the fact that the, the Democratic Party, you know, has got a million dollars that they have devoted to register, what, how many hundreds of thousands new Democrats they want? And they have named Andrew Gillum, who lost the race for governor, to be the lead, the point man on this. But now he is under subpoenas for his financial records. I mean, is Gillum really the right guy to do this? They have a lot riding on him being the right guy. He kind of named himself the center of this massive voter registration or what he would call re-engagement effort to get a million new people back into the process right. uh, for the Democratic Party. Um, and uh, the Democrats have seen a registered voter advantage over Republicans slip from about um, 660,000 uh, in 2008 to about 260,000 now. So they are trying to grow that advantage back because Republicans have just proven over and over to be better about getting their voters to come out. Well, um, let me stop you, why? Why would there be that slippage in, in the state registrations? Uh, part of it is resources, part of it is um, is flight from the party, people leaving the party, yeah, and part uh, of demographics and growth, migration patterns. And the rise of the independent voter, NPA, right. the yeah. largest growth in voter registration in Florida, Sergio, you know this from your reporting, are independent voters. No, even in a, in a county like Broward County, which is Democratic rich, the NPAs is slowly creeping close. It's a huge problem for, for actually both parties. But I think to speak to David's point, I think the Democratic Party, to put a figurehead on it, I think is a wrong idea. I think it's a real grassroots effort. Yeah. They gotta go in each county, even in counties where it's dominated by Republicans, try to round up some Democrats 
to cut into the lead the Republicans right. have. Sort of the Beto O'Rourke theory, go where you generally never go well, that's what, if you're a Democrat. That's what they're trying to do uh, by, by putting people, college students, out now in these, um, in, in these metropolitan areas. They're going to have 300 by the time 2020 rolls around to have people on the ground so they have a face in the community and they're not rolling around in election season. Uh, <laughs> Jackie, on Tuesday, uh, President Trump apparently is going to come spend a luncheon uh, out there at the Trump Doral and raise a lot of money. And I just, I'm thinking about in October of 2016, he went to the uh, Haitian Cultural Center in Little Haiti and said to a big audience, several hundred Haitian Americans, I am going to be your champion. I will fight for you. Uh, I mean, is, the, but then. We haven't heard anything since. You haven't really. That was the last time Haitians heard from the president except when he talked about asshole countries at the White House and said Haiti was one of them. Yes, I mean, it's very interesting because the president has been in South Florida since then. And in fact, I remember um, just a few months ago when there was a political crisis was just starting up in Haiti and there was absolutely no mention of Haiti. I mean, and today yeah. we have a situation where it's ongoing and the only time we've heard from the president with Haiti is those comments and on the issue of TPS, which he basically have not stepped up and says, hey, you know yeah. what, let's do away with this and let's give you some permanent road right. to citizenship. Right. That's, that's bubbling up. I think this week there's uh, a group coming out to sort of lay, what, a path forward for requests? What, what well, yeah. That? I mean, what's going on is that, you know, we saw with the House, they did vote, and we've got DACA, we've got deferred um, deportation, and we've got TPS. But the concern right now is what's going to happen in the Senate. And from folks that I've talked to, they are feeling like maybe there is just not support there um, in terms of passing this. And so, again, the pressure is on the White House to let, let's deal with the immigration problem in this country. I understand that the president has made immigration a huge part of his campaign, mm -hmm. um, with a lot of the focus on the border. But the reality is you have a lot of people who are here who are undocumented or who are in uncertain situations. And it's a, been a problem that should be addressed and needs to be addressed. Tuesday night, uh, pr prior to the luncheon on Wednesday, Tuesday night, the big rollout of the second term announcement. Um, David, do you think, you know, you've been to President Trump's rallies and they're sort of raucous, interesting, fascinating affairs on many levels. In a second term announcement, do you expect something different or more of the same? Well, he's been campaigning really since he got elected. So, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, probably, probably more of the same. But uh, yeah, look, his events are like rock concerts or mm -hmm. professional wrestling shows. People go to, you know, and enjoy comedy Trump's greatest in. hits, build the wall, uh, lock her up. Um, and we'll see more of that. Um, but, you know, he is uh, laser focused on Florida. He's going yeah. to Orlando, which is the heart of Florida's uh, electoral process. He's got a lot of voters to persuade there. Um, and uh, and I think uh, it's pretty clear that Republicans and Trump are ahead of where the Democrats are right now. Yeah, and you know, obviously, I think by coming to Florida and to Miami and Doral, and then holding the rally in Orlando on Tuesday night, Sergio, he is sending a signal, a strong signal, that Florida is where it's at, if I can use that phrase. Uh, that it, you know, the 29 electoral votes. He's got to have Florida and those votes to win in 2020. Yeah, I think it's going to be difficult for him to maybe repeat what he did in 2016 by winning Michigan, Pennsylvania, 
in yeah. Wisconsin. Right. Remember, those are the razor thin margins there. Right. But this is the big, uh, huge win from here. And you know, he's coming to he's going to kick this off in Orlando. But he's already been all over the state. Sure. Uh, and as yeah, Panama said, Beach, he was up there at the big rally. Yeah. yeah. You up know, there. I, I, to your point, on election night, 2016, in New York, at the at the Trump party. The states were called. Remember, the first couple of states that came in were expected to be red states, and the, the crowd applauds. And when Florida came in, there was jubilation. And it was as if the crowd said, Florida, thank you, we're in no matter what happens. It was, it was 2 o'clock in the morning anyway that we had to wait for, but, but that was, uh, it was apparent even then. Yeah. Um, can we switch gears a little bit? Uh, really, News that I'm not sure no one didn't know, but OSHA, uh, the safety safety investigators looking into the FIU bridge collapse this week, came out with a report that said a lot that we sort of surmised having seen the cracks in the bridge and everything we know from the NTSB. But for the first time, we heard safety investigators name names and said the engineer on this bridge should have closed 8th Street. Sergio, you, you covered some of this in your prior incarnation. Um, to FIG and engineers, Denny Pate is the engineer's name, they said this is wrong. Can't say more because there's a gag order, but the, uh, but the OSHA information is flat out wrong. Weigh in on this for us. Closing that bridge that had all kinds of cracks over A Street almost was a no-brainer to the lay people who watching. Well, I agree. I mean, I think if you look at it, in fact, my daughter was at that school mm. uh, during that time, and I've, I've been to that area too. This is a hugely, uh, very uh, busy thoroughfare, and you would think that that would just be the most logical thing to do. I think it's a tragedy that's one of those, just like a lot of these things, where with each report, everything that comes out, it just makes it all the more tragic what happened. Do you know, um, David, the, there are multiple layers of investigations. Is the Miami-Dade State Attorney looking into possible criminal charges? And well, I mean, Catherine fernandez Reynolds pretty quickly suggested that um, it was highly unlikely that there would be criminal negligence charges mm -hmm. to pursue in this case. But the more you learn about it, the more... I think more she was talking generally when she it, made that Yes, comment. right, yeah. not, and not in specifics. So yeah. I don't know if there is a criminal investigation, but the more you learn from the reports, the more I think you have to question whether there should be, because it is, to go back to yeah. your point, the decision not to close 8th Street is just... Um, I, I can't fathom why they didn't do that. I just don't understand it. And the OSHA report points out that there were a number of fingerprints all over that decision, yeah. many people, but principally yeah. it was FIG Bridge yeah. engineers, and they were warned the morning of the collapse. I mean, the construction people on the ground said this is a serious situation, and they still did not close 8th Street. Well, it makes you wonder what they were thinking. I mean, and I'm very interested in seeing the other reports, the other investigations that are going to come out um, and, you know, and how that's going to play out. I mean, I saw the comments. They said, no, we can't say any more. There's a lot, you know, there's a lot here. And it looks like a lot of finger pointing that is going on. But the reality is that there's a tragedy. People are, are dead. Um, and the more you read about it, you see that it's something that could yeah. have been prevented. The more yeah, angry it, it makes you. Yeah. And Jackie Charles, you are, if I may say, the preeminent reporter, I think, in the country, certainly in South Florida on reporting on Haiti, and that country, once again, is in utter turmoil, 
calls for Juvenel Moise, the president, to resign. What's going on down there? What has caused this? Well, you know, the country is in a political and economic crisis. And the main thing, it stirred off is with the economic situation. The local um, domestic currency has depreciated 100% in four years. Um, so life is very difficult. And now you add on top of it is a audit by government auditors who are essentially judges. And they basically issued a 600 plus page report looking at the misuse or the mismanagement of billions of dollars in money from a Venezuela oil program that Haiti was supposed to use to help its poor, especially after, after the earthquake. Right. And so in that report, the current president, Jovenel Moise, is implicated. Before he was president, uh, according to the auditors, he received a number of road contracts. And one of the examples they pointed out, they basically showed that there was double billing, that two companies that they say controlled by him both received the same contract, two contracts for the same road, and those roads have not been completed. Now, the president has denied this and said, yeah. just this week, I am not corrupt. Yes. Um, these two companies are not the same companies. They're different. But Haitians are, are, they are enraged. They are angry, especially young Haitians who are saying, where is the Petro-Caribbean money? Um, at the same time, a group of intellectuals today sent an open letter to the nation where they asked for the president to resign. The business community is saying that the majority of the population has lost confidence yeah. in him. And what about the Catholic and the Catholic Church, which is, you know, has been quiet um, for, you know, for a while, but they stepped out. All of the bishops of the Catholic Church issued a statement just last weekend saying that money is the root of evil in this country, um, and those who are implicated need to present themselves to the justice system in order to be judged, and that basically it's time to, to pull back and look at this country and figure out how do we go forward, because corruption is just everywhere. You know, may I say, the first time I was ever in Port-au-Prince was to cover the last election which was postponed three times and the first time there were 53 people running as candidates and I and I was trying to sort of wrap my head around all this why would 53 people throw their hat in the ring for president of a country and the answer was for more than a few people because the only money in Haiti is in the government and to access it you have to be in the government Sergio that that kind of process whether it's above board or below the surface just can't work well, it certainly leads to a certain cynicism, as Jackie points to. But what's sad is, you know, you hear Jackie talk about this, and you could describe this from a few years back, yeah. a decade ago, two decades ago. Yeah. It just seems to be a, a broken record in Haiti. Yeah, I spent a lot of time covering Haiti back in the 80s and in the 90s, and I'm thinking about the Aristide era. Yeah. I mean, we have been through this before. One thing we haven't been through, David, is, um, God help us, a journalist was shot to death in this past week, and journalists in Haiti are under fire, and one has died. Yeah. I mean, terrible situation. Yeah, that, that will draw more attention to the problems, uh, but I, I think Haiti needs more attention to the help uh, from this country and uh, uh, more resources. Yeah. Every well, time we have a regime change, they just have a transition. They don't deal with the issues. And the discussion today is what would a transition look like? Um, and that you have to at least, the, the corruption, you, you have to figure out a way to get more transparency. It's not just democracy, but you have to deal with this so you're not always repeating the same cycle over and over so again. So how do you do that? 
Well, I think that you, you, you have to figure out what your priorities are going to be. I mean, it just can't be about putting people in office. It has to be, let's deal with the financial situation. Let's deal with the corruption. Let's put in some real transparency. Um, there has to be consequences. Um, and again, this report, everybody's focusing on the president. But when you look through this report, it just shows you that there were millions of dollars that were just wasted in programs. Fake recipients of programs that were supposed to help poor Haitian mothers. Yeah. Well, a sad situation, and I hope that if you and you do go to Haiti, that you will have protection and security and uh, be safe, Jackie, when you Thank go you. down there. Thanks right. so much. Thank great you. to see you, Sergio David Bustos. Sergio, yeah. great to have yeah. you Jackie come in. Jackie and David Smiley.